Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew as we continue, and uh, I tell you, we've been in this uh, 13th chapter for quite some time, but I think we're going to finish it up here uh, this morning, uh, verses 53 through 58, Jesus is rejected, mm, Jesus is rejected, and uh, that shouldn't take you by surprise, Jesus was rejected then, and he is still rejected today by so many. So let's turn there to Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son was not his mother Mary, or his mother called Mary, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there, because of their unbelief. Let's pray. Lord, as we study your word, 
We pray that you be our teacher. Speak to us, Lord, out of your word. And by your Holy Spirit, illuminate our understanding. And then when we come to the end of this service and the invitation is given, may we as your children honor you and obey your voice as you speak to our hearts. And again, Lord, we pray for anyone who is here who has not received Jesus as their Savior, who is not confident that they'll go to heaven when they die. We pray that they'll come to know you, Lord, today and that they will discover that the true gift of eternal life is found in you, Lord Jesus. Speak to us now, Lord, we pray. In your holy name, Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. And so Jesus goes home. And we looked at the uh, parables over the course of the last uh, several weeks, and, and so Jesus uh, he completes uh, teaching these parables, and he makes his way back home, and his home was in Nazareth. Nazareth was his, uh, his hometown. And if you know anything about uh, Nazareth, uh, you'll recall that it wasn't a very, uh, uh, it, it didn't have a, a great reputation. It was not, uh, you know, it was not where all the millionaires hung out, okay? <laughs> it was not where all the famous people lived. As a matter of fact, uh, it was on the lower social class of, uh, of cities. But this was his hometown, and, and over in Luke, uh, you'll recall uh, that um, when the Lord Jesus uh, was born, that uh, Mary and Joseph, they, they fled to Egypt, and then out of, once uh, Herod the Great was dead, they, they came back uh, to Israel, but then they chose to go over into, into Nazareth because Herod's son was, had now become king in his father's place. And so they went to Nazareth, the Bible says, and he's called the Nazarene, Jesus of, of Nazareth. And then uh, over in the Gospel of John, when uh, Andrew had uh, found the Lord Jesus and uh, he had uh, also witnessed to his brother Peter, and he, he came to Nathaniel and he said that we, we found him, the Messiah, of whom the scriptures speak. And when Nathaniel learned that uh, Jesus was uh, from Nazareth, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> because uh, Nazareth uh, didn't have uh, the best uh, reputation. Of course, the Lord Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And now, notice that um, he attended their synagogue services. It was his custom, and we, you can turn to Luke 4.16 and read that, that it says that it was his custom to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Now, we find it so easy for something to interrupt our attendance at church, and that shouldn't be. 
That should not be our lesson this morning in Sunday school. And if you, if you haven't been out for Sunday school, I want to encourage you to come out for Sunday school. We gather together at 9.30 to study God's Word, and the lesson this morning was on loyalty. But it was also on hollow promises. This idea that God's people have a tendency to make hollow promises. You know, people who, they've come down the aisle, they said that they've accepted the Lord as their Savior, but then after that they come up with all kinds of excuses why they can't make this meeting or that time or whatever the case might be. And it, their lives are filled with excuses and hollow promises. But if we know one thing about our Lord, we know this, that our Lord is loyal. God is loyal and He is faithful. And you know, He doesn't look for an excuse to not be on the job, so to speak. God is loyal and He is faithful. He attended the synagogue services and the Bible says that was His custom and it ought to be our custom. And I've shared with you before and, uh, and I know what it is to live here in Las Vegas and to have your family or friends want to come and they, they want to visit you. And long before I was a pastor in a church, when I was a church member, I would tell them, do not come on Sunday in the morning at such and such time because if you do you're going to be waiting at the airport <laughs> because I will be in church and that went for everyone even my mom and she would say well that's okay I'll wait <laughs> or I'll just take a taxi <laughs> but the point is here God's people are to gather together and following the Lord's example. Over in Hebrews it says, forsaking not, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. God's people are to gather together regularly on the Lord's day. Sunday is the Lord's day. Saturday is the biblical Sabbath day. From the going down of the sun on Friday evening to the going down of the sun on Saturday evening. That's the Sabbath. Sunday is the Lord's Day, the day that the Lord rose from the dead. Amen? And so we worship on Sunday. But as we mentioned several messages uh, back, we don't only worship on the Lord's Day, we worship every day. Amen? Every, every day. And then, notice, he talked with power and authority. As a matter of fact, the Bible says after, after he gave that sermon on the mount that the people marveled. Why? They marveled because he taught with authority. Not as the scribes, but with authority. And he applied the word of God to everyday life. To the issues that we deal with. The nitty-gritty of life, so to speak, where the, you know, where the rubber meets the road. He taught with power 
and authority. Notice it says there. He taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. And then they said, where did this man get this wisdom? Mm. They were astonished. And they're filled with questions, says you. Well, where did this man get this wisdom and, and these mighty works? He was able to heal people. And he made the, the word of God come to life. Come to life. And God's word, God's word teaches life, that our God is a God of life. Jesus said, my father is the God of the living, not of the dead. Because God's people live forever. Yes, one day we will die physically. This body will go into the grave. Ah, but the spirit will go to be with the Lord who gave it. Amen? And we will forever be with the Lord. That is the promise of God. But the unbeliever lives forever as well. You see, that's what so many people fail to understand. Everyone lives forever. Ah, but the location, the destinations are very different. The unbeliever spends eternity in hell. The believer spends eternity in heaven. Amen. Well, they're filled with questions, and then they go on, and they, they answer their own questions. They're really, they, they ask them in a rhetorical sense, or the answers are, are understood. They say, wait a minute, where do you get this wisdom, these mighty works? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Well, they made a mistake there. Joseph was his guardian. Almighty God was his father. And we studied on Wednesday, and we're still studying the five foundational truths of Christianity. And one of those, the first one, is that he is the divine son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. The Bible says that she was, was basically impregnated by God the Holy Spirit. He has no earthly father. Now, in the prayer that the Catholics say they're wrong, when they add this, see they quote from the scripture, Hail Mary, that's in the scripture, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. All that is in the Bible. Blessed art thou among women, that's true, she's, she's the most blessed. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, yes, Jesus. Ah, but here's where, they, here's where they go awry. They say, Holy Mary, Mother of God. God has no mother. God is God. He is eternal. And Mary is one of his children. And guess what? Mary is a sinner like you and me. And like everyone else who walks upon the face of the earth. And the Catholics, they teach... And they made the same mistake that, the, that the, the scribes and the Pharisees made by teaching traditions of men instead of the Word of God. Because notice what it says. It says, Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, not his cousins. Some in the Catholic and some others 
They say, oh no, it's referring to cousins. Not referring to his cousins. These are his brothers. Filium has to do with his, his brothers. And then his sisters. And they say, well, those were his. No, that's not the word. They have a different word that's used for cousin. These were his brothers and sisters. They were half brothers and sisters because their father was Joseph and their mother Mary. His mother was Mary, but his father is God Almighty. And the Catholics have taken this, oh my goodness, to the point that they say that Mary was without sin. And they refer to the immaculate conception that, that you see, she was so holy, she was without sin. Mary is not without sin. Over in the book of Romans it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Mary is included in that all. But if that wasn't enough, then they, they, they pray to her. You see, they misapply the scripture. Because that Hail Mary full of grace, that was her, her, her aunt, her cousin, her, her relative, Elizabeth, who also had a miraculous birth. She was going to give birth to John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And the Bible says that when she came, that Elizabeth said, Hail. She was saying, Hello. That's what the hail means. H-A-I-L. Make sure you don't get that mixed up. <laughs> hail, Mary, right? Full of grace. She was saying, Hello. She was greeting her. And she was making a statement of her blessed gift, the gift of God by His grace, had chosen her to be the mother of the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Indeed. And here's one for you. All these people talking about, you know, their right to abortion, etc., etc. Or that there are even preachers say the Bible supports abortion. It does not. And this whole idea of life. Mary comes to Elizabeth, and what does Elizabeth say? She says, Oh, the mother of my Lord has come, the baby in my womb, leaped for joy. She's talking about John the Baptist. See? By the Spirit of God, when Jesus, who is inside of Mary, comes into his presence, John the Baptist leaps in her womb. This whole idea of, oh, um, you know, life doesn't begin until the baby's actually born. That's a bunch of nonsense. That's a lie out of hell itself. And if you believe that, you need to repent. And if you think it's okay, it is not. Abortion is the worst kind of murder. And God's people are not to be murderers. As a matter of fact, the Bible lesson that we had in Sunday school today, God speaking to the, to the, the northern kingdom Israel said, you have become so sinful that even the priests are guilty of murder. That's how sinful you have become. That you allow this, that you think that this is okay. 
And that's what we have going on in our world today. And sadly, you have people who say they're Christian and say that's okay. It's a woman's right to choose. No, it isn't. The Bible says you are not your own. Your body does not belong to you. It belongs to God who created it. And the preacher is to preach and to preach the whole truth. And God's people are to share and to stand up for that which is true. Notice, they acknowledged his humanity and his family, but they did not acknowledge his divinity. And that is still going on today. Oh, yes, he was a great teacher. Oh, he was a wonderful man. And they go on and on and on and on with that. But this idea that he was God? And they refused to acknowledge his divinity. And again, we come back to that foundational truth. He was born of a virgin. He is the divine Son of God. He is God the Son, second member of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is God the Son. Over in John chapter 1, it says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They were offended at him. People are still offended. They're offended at him and they're offended at you, especially when you share the truth of God's holy word. When you share the truth of God's holy word, people are offended, no matter how nice you are about it. You can be the nicest, kindest, sweetest, most loving person. But when you get to the part where they're a sinner, oh my goodness, they stand up. They become very serious because now they're offended. You've insulted them. What do you mean I'm a sinner? I'm not a sinner. I've had people say that. I'm not a sinner. Who are you to call me a sinner? And then when you, when you share with them, you know, they'll, they'll say, I, I, I don't go to church because there are a bunch of hypocrites down there. That's where I like to say, well, then you fit right in. <laughs> well, they get real upset. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by that? Honestly speaking, we're all hypocrites. We say one thing and do another. Isn't that true? We've done it all our lives. We're good at it. Yes. And they say, well. And then I'll ask, did you do everything that your parents told you you should do? And what about those things that your parents told you you shouldn't do? Did you do some of those? Yes. They all say, yes. And then I say, well, the Bible says that that's it. The fifth commandment is, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So when you disobey your mother or your father, you sin. And because you've sinned, right, you qualify like the rest of us as a sinner. Now, 
make no mistake, you don't sin and become a sinner. No, you sin because you already are a sinner in the heart. You follow? I've asked this question before. So now, does a person, if they take something, do they become a thief when they take the thing, or do they take the thing because they're already a thief? Person says, well, in a legal sense, you know, in a court of law, all right, the individual would have to actually, you know, someone would have to have witnessed or, you know, what the Bible teaches as a man or as a person is in their heart, so is that person. So they, they steal because they're a thief in their heart. And we sin because we're sinners. Yes, everyone in this room today, and everyone out on the golf course, and everyone driving on the highway, and everyone who's at home, everyone is a sinner. We are all sinners. And these people were offended at him. And when you share Jesus with others, when you share God's holy word, guess what? They're going to be offended. And they're going to refuse to believe. And we've mentioned before that our, our heart's desire is that you share Christ with your children. Share Christ with your children. You say, I have. Continue until they accept the Lord as their Savior. You keep praying for them. You keep talking to them about the Lord, no matter how frustrating it becomes. And you pray for God to also send someone else to share with them. Whether it's in a store or a place where they work or go to school, whatever the case might be. And with your grandchildren. And with your great-grandchildren. And you don't give up. God doesn't give up on us. The results of unbelief. Notice. Verse 58 says, Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Familiarity breeds contempt and dishonor. We said earlier that they acknowledged his family, they acknowledged his humanity, but they refused to acknowledge his divinity. They were aware, they could see, they could hear the very things that he taught them right out of God's holy word. And they, they could see the people who were healed. As a matter of fact, healings that only God could do. And yet, they still refused to acknowledge it. You know anyone like that? You can have the facts, the facts, right there in front of you. And even though you have the facts, they still refuse to accept the truth. They refuse. That's how these people were. And I've shared with you before how that uh, students would say, well, where is the proof? And I would say, well, just buy yourself a ticket and fly to Israel. It's there. See, most people, most people born after, you know, 1950, they think that Israel, the nation Israel, was always there. Some of you may think that. Well, guess what? It wasn't. As recently as, as recently as the first 
part of 1948 because it didn't come into existence as a sovereign nation until May 14, 1948. Prior to that time, Israel as a nation did not exist. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the day would come when God would draw, and he's, he's still doing this, that he would draw his people from the four corners of the earth to which they were dispersed. He will draw them back to the land of Israel. How do we know that we're in the latter portion of the latter days? Guess what? Israel is there. And the Jewish people are making their way back to Israel. And there are a whole host of other prophecies that have been fulfilled in the life and in the nation of Israel that enable us to understand that we're very close to the end. But if you mention that to people, they think you're nuts. They think you're crazy. And the evidence is there. Familiarity breeds contempt. Jesus is talking about dishonor. You see, they recognize, but well, wait a minute. Well, he worked in his dad's carpenter shop. He's like one of us. We know his family. Stop for a moment, consider your own children. Your own children. Or maybe one of your siblings, a brother, or sister. And um, the accomplishments of their own individual lives. I remember going to uh, one of my nieces was getting married. And uh, so we, we were invited to go to the wedding. And over in uh, the Bay Area, so we were back there, before the wedding began, um, my brother-in-law, my niece's uh, dad, uh, we were talking and visiting. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. Then he started with, and some of my cousins and, and such were standing around. He said, well, I, I remember you. He's talking about me. He said, I know you're Mr. Goody Two-Shoes now. He said, but I remember when you were such and such. <laughs> okay. I remember when you did this and did that, you know, and he just thought it was his job to point out all the things, you know. That, that, <laughs> and I said, yes, that, that is true. But, but the Lord, he said, has changed my life. And he'll change yours too, if you let him. Okay. You see, that's, that's then where it becomes uncomfortable and every, everyone gets quiet. <laughs> yeah, they get real, real quiet. Because that familiarity breeds contempt. We have a tendency, right? We see people only from a human perspective. Uh, and notice it says, he did not do... Have you ever thought that maybe, maybe, the reason why more isn't occurring in your life, or maybe even in the church or other churches, is because of this thing here, see? Because of their unbelief? 
And we ought to learn, we really ought to learn, and recognize God's work and his goodness and his ability to change circumstances. And that beautiful piano that Miss Ginger, right, that beautiful music that she's playing on this piano here. When I first came here, I, I thought, well, why in the world can't we just have a piano here? Why, why does Tom have to bring, remember Tom, you have to bring that piano, you have to carry that piano every Sunday, pack the piano in, pack the piano back home. You remember that, don't you? Yeah. And Richard and all those speakers and everything, all this stuff. And I said, well, why can't we just have a piano? And what was the response? They won't let us do it. You remember that? Some of you remember, right? And I said, well, don't you suppose if we could ask them? No, they won't do it. Well, don't you suppose if we could just? No, they won't do it. And so I would go home and pray, and I'd say, well, Lord, you know, that's just unreasonable. We, we, we need to have a piano. And given the circumstances, our, 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 our people are seniors. They shouldn't have to carry a piano back and forth and back and forth. Well, eventually, he came up with the idea, of, what about this? What if we give the piano to the singer and tell them they can have it? with the condition that we get to use it on Sundays. I mean, we bought it, right? And guess what? Well, there it sits. <laughs> and they set it up every Sunday, and then they put it away. And they set it up every Wednesday, and they put it away. And then, then we had someone offer us a grand piano, because, you know, a place like this really ought to have a grand piano. And lo and behold, someone, they, they offered it. Then we, we even got someone else that said they would, they would provide one at a really small cost. Said, oh, we tried to get that working, okay? And then lo and behold, because I was told, no, they'll never do this. They'll never do this. They'll never do this. They'll never do this. Never, never, never. Right. I happened to be at one of the meet and greets, and I happened to talk to um, um, Brother Geller, uh, Warren. And I said, now, you know, Warren, we've had two grand pianos offered. He said, what? I said, yeah, that's right. And lo and behold, as I was speaking to him, who walks up? Damien. Right? He's the man in charge. He said, well, hold, hold on a minute. And he went and he spoke to Damien. So then he came back. He said, is that offer still good? You see, because what were we going to do? We were going to give the grand piano to the center. You follow? So if there's anyone out there that has a grand piano and you want to give it, well, guess what? They said they'll take it. <laughs> you have to give it to the church, and the church then gives it, and they'll, they'll put it in. You, you follow? But it, 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 here's, here's the point. You'd be amazed at what God can do if you'll only believe that he'll do it. But if you're stuck in a rut that he won't do it or it's impossible, guess what? It'll be impossible for you. You have to believe that God can change things, because he can. And he can change people's hearts. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe in the Bible. Because the Bible teaches that God changes the heart, does he not? And he can change the heart of an unbeliever, because that's what you were before you came to know Christ as Savior. You were an unbeliever. 
Oh, but sadly, there are too many Christians who also remain in unbelief. They, they, oh, they believe that God loves them and they believe that they're safe, but they don't believe that God will change circumstances. Oh, we just go on our way, you know, walking through life, and whatever happens, happens. No. Notice, it says, he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. Be one who believes, who dreams, and dreams big dreams. Who in the world wants to dream puny little dreams? <laughs> dream big dreams. Have big dreams. God has given you a tremendous mind, and he intends for us to use that mind. And he can fill our minds with tremendous vision and dreams. Things that he chooses and wants to accomplish through his church and through his people. Notice, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief, because of their arrogance, because of their stubbornness, because they, they lacked faith in him. Always quick to point out, well, it can't be this way, it can't be that way, and we can't do that, and this will never happen. And then, Oh, I tell you, look, that is so frustrating. One of the most difficult, one of the most difficult things to endure as a pastor, especially when someone comes up with an idea, can never do it. Man, your God is too small. If that's the way that you, your God is too small. God can do anything that he chooses to do. And he is not limited. However, if you want to be like these people, don't expect to have many wonderful blessings. Well, Jesus is the ultimate prophet. He's our priest and our king. The Bible says he is the fulfillment of the word. All of the other priests, they had to, they had to provide a sacrifice for their own sin before they could offer a sacrifice for the sin of the people. Jesus offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice. He is the mediator between God the Father, holy God, and sinful man. No other mediator, only Christ. And he is our king, and he will come as king. The Israelites were looking for him to come as king the first time. That's another reason why they, they refused to believe in him, because they, they were under the oppression of the Romans, and they were looking for a king like David, who would come as a warrior, and defeat the Romans and free Israel. But he came as the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Well, what do we learn from this passage? Jesus understands the dynamics of relationships, family, friends, and acquaintances. Love, respect, loyalty, service. Now, I'll bet, I'll bet, that one of you, at least one of you in here, if not, if not more of you, have been dishonored or disrespected by your children. You probably wouldn't want to admit that, but, but you probably have. And I'll just bet that, that one of your children, or maybe all of them, said a little tiny lie, or maybe a great big one. That's a form of dishonor. 
and disrespect. Jesus knows all about it. He knows all about it. He knows, he knows what we're guilty of. And in spite of all that, what does he say? Come. I love you. I died for you. And then the teachings of Jesus cause unrest among unbelievers. But you know, I, I could have put believers in here too. Because the teachings of Jesus cause unrest among believers too. But mainly among unbelievers. You hear it every day. You listen to the news and all, you hear it every day. My body, my choice. Yeah? Except it's not your body and your choice when it comes to getting shot. What, what, what's the deal there? They talk out of both sides, right? Now, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm, I'm not that. But I'm anti the government controlling me and telling me what I have to do. God owns me, not the government. The government does not own you. And the government does not own you. Nor does the government give birth to children. The government has never given birth to a child. Who is the government to determine who lives or who doesn't live? Now, the Bible does say, and the Bible does teach, that God establishes courts and laws. And isn't it amazing that God actually calls policemen and police women his ministers? Did you know that? You say, what? Romans chapter 13, read it. And it also goes on to say, and that police officer does not bear that weapon in vain. Or in other words, you disobey that officer, you do so at the risk of losing your own life. From God's perspective, the officer has the right to use lethal force. That's the ministry to which he's been given. Oh, mention that to people out there, they'll be offended, won't they? But see, that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible also teaches capital punishment. Now, I forget exactly where this was, but it was somewhere in the East. This DA let this guy who was, who was a murderer out before his sentence was, was actually, you know, um, fully fulfilled. No sooner he's out, what does he do? He murders someone else. And that's going on across the country. Unbelief limits the blessings a person will receive. The Bible teaches that without faith it is impossible to please God. You want to please God? Well, man, pray for him to give you a vision. And then when he gives you that vision, do everything in your power empowered by God the Holy Spirit to make that a reality. Don't come up with excuses why it can't be done. Jesus is our prophet, our priest, our king. Therefore, he is to be honored in our personal lives, in the lives of our families, and in our homes. That passage in John where it says he came to his own, his own received him not, goes on to say, but unto those who received him, he gave them the power, the authority, the right, the privilege of becoming the children of God. Born not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, according to the will of God. 
and we are his children. And we are to be proclaiming his holy word. And so, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The invitation is God's invitation to you. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, if you've never asked him to come in, invited him in, do so today. And then when you do, make it public. Everyone that Jesus called, he called publicly. No closet Christians. No, he called them publicly. There's something about settling it in the heart when you come publicly. The Bible says to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Amen? And Jesus died on that cross. He was buried, and God rose him up from the dead. And then maybe you're here, and you, you have membership in some other church. You can move your membership here. Move your membership here so that you can serve on committees and in ministries. And serve the Lord. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you haven't been baptized, or you haven't committed to being baptized. You need to be baptized. It's commanded in the Bible. You accept Christ as your Savior, the next step is to be baptized. And that too is a public profession of your faith, what has already occurred in the heart, that you've been washed by the Spirit of God. The blood of Jesus that was shed. So as we sing, don't hesitate. You come. You come forward. Let's stand, please, and let's sing. Jesus paid it all. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.